0: What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step meal. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are going to talk about Mike Leach and his memory. If you are unaware, uh, Mike Leach passed away on Monday morning at the age of 61. Uh, he was hospitalized and complications from his hospitalization had led to his untimely passing. And we uh, at the number one college football show wanted to take a moment to recognize just what a character and what a pioneer Mike Leach is in the sport. As I was thinking about what to talk with you about here, I always have a hard time with these sorts of sentiments because I want to appreciate the person, but also I don't want to tell you something you already know. And chances are, as a college football fan, you know quite a bit about Mike Leach because he is singular uh, and original and one of the real guiding lights for people like me who didn't play college football, frankly, and my friends who wanted to coach college football but were not athletic enough or good enough to play at that elite level because he didn't play himself and became one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. But to understand that, you also have to understand Mike Leach. I really enjoy this interview that Jeremy Shap did with Mike Leach years ago, 2018, when he was still at Washington State. And Schaap, who looked like an English professor at the time in a suit and sweater vest, was walking next to Leach, who had on his trademark Washington State hoodie. And Jeremy Schaap asked him, hey, what do you think your memory should look like? How do you want to be remembered in the obituaries? To which Mike shrugged that off. He simply said, hell, I don't know. What do I care? I'm dead. And that's Vintage Mike Leach. And that also underscores just how difficult it is to talk about the man because he's the grits in your hot sauce, man. He's the plug in the socket. He is the laugh in your belly. And I get at this by first talking about how he got into coaching. It's a great book called The Perfect Pass by S.C. Gwynn, who also wrote a fantastic history of the Comanche, where he wanted to talk about the air raid and how mummy and Mike Leach and some great anecdotes in there. One of the ones that I remember his leech had just gotten married and had just graduated law school at Pepperdine and then had the nerve to tell his new father-in-law that he was not going to pursue a career in law, but he was going to take this man's daughter to Mount Pleasant, Iowa, to be an offensive coordinator, uh, coordinator at NAIA Iowa Wesleyan for a guy named Hal Mummy. Love that, right? You take your Juris Doctorate to be a football coach. In the middle of nowhere, but it's there that he first learned the air raid, this term that has become synonymous with everything that Mike Leach does. And between Mummy and Leach, they built a winner at Iowa Wesleyan, and then they moved to Valdosta State because that's what you do in coaching. You move up, move to Georgia. One of the things that he did along with winning at Valdosta State was convince a fraternity house to mount an air raid siren on the roof of their frat house and to play it every single time Valdosta State, the Blazers scored a touchdown. They scored a lot. (laughs) And frankly, the siren was outlawed shortly thereafter. But that gives you another window into Mike Leach's personality. Anything to also get some public exposure to his programs, because he was the first to really acknowledge that being a head coach in the mid nineties into the early two thousands is also a television job, right? You need to be entertaining and, The air rate is nothing if not entertaining. So from Valdosta State, he and Hal Mummy go to Kentucky, right? Make their foray into the SEC, where many people believe this offense that was about flooding zones with more numbers than you had with a bunch of short, fast guys that were not athletic enough to run a traditional ground and pound style of offense, we're going to get destroyed. But not only did they not get destroyed... How Mummy and Mike Leach developed the number one overall draft pick in 1999 quarterback, Tim Couch. So after that, Bob Stoops gets a job uh, at Oklahoma where he was trying to build a winner, but he'd been defensive coordinator at Florida. And he asked how Mummy, can I hire away your offensive coordinator? He said, why? Because that is the toughest offense that I've ever had to prepare for. And I can't imagine what it would be like for other people to have to experience that. And this is Stoops, who had won a national championship at Florida as defensive coordinator for Steve Spurrier, who was renowned for throwing the ball all over the yard. And Mike Leach says, cool, I'll go to Norman. Recruits a JUCO quarterback nobody'd ever heard of named Josh Heupel. And the very next year, they won a national championship, okay? But before that, one of my favorite stories about Mike Leach at Oklahoma is in his first rendition of OU Texas. He thought it would be funny to leave a fake play card and play sheet on the ground at the Texas sideline. See if those guys bid on it. And a story that Jake Trotter wrote for ESPN, you can find out that they did. And OU quickly jumped out to a 17-0 lead because they, uh, the defense for Texas had come out <laughs> expecting one play and got another. And it took them about three series to figure out we'd been duped. <laughs> Love that. Okay. But shortly after winning the national championship, he did with a lot of coordinators, do. Too. He took a head coaching job, and this one was in Lubbock, Texas. Mars to me. West Texas, man, out in the middle of nowhere. And he put together a winner. What goes unsaid about Mike Leach's run from 2000 to 2009 in Texas Tech is that not only did he never experience a losing season, he won at least seven games every year. And nine games or more, four times. And that magical 2008 year, they went 11 and two. But what makes that year so magical is not just that he developed a Bulitnikov Award winner in Michael Crabtree, or that Graham Harrell would become an outstanding offensive coordinator in his own right after playing quarterback on that team. It's that they had the University of Texas right where they wanted them in Lubbock. And at the time, Texas, number one team in the country. But they wanted to go win the football game in regulation because overtime rules were different than Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree coming up to Mike Leach on the sidelines saying, please let us have the ball. Let us have the ball. Let us go try to win this. And Mike looks at the offense and he says, you know, just go run four verticals. <laughs> and in that we get Graham Harrell toss the ball to Michael Crabtree, Michael Crabtree tiptoeing down the sidelines into, well, forever our memory with that play and launching a very mundane, but also traditional air raid play into the general college football lexicon. What do we do when we're down? We run four verticals. It's the same thing you tell your therapist. What do you do when you're down? You run four verticals. I love that because it's four nine routes. And frankly, all of us know how to run a nine route, a go route straight up. I'm going to throw it to you. You're going to outrun the guy trying to cover you. We're going to score touchdowns. He also had a play call that he called six because... It was a play call in which we're going to get six points on this play if we run it. He also loved to play with people's expectations and mindset. So one way that he did this that I really love is you'll notice that Lincoln Riley still uses a very small play card and Mike Leach does too. And there's a number of air raid disciples that do the same, but turns out it's not actually that small. Lincoln was kind enough to tell folks at Oklahoma and then again at USC that it's actually a full size piece of paper that we fold over so that you can fold it and you can find the play that you need on your down and distance. But Mike really loved having people believe that the play call was really that small and really that skinny because that's the kind of guy he is, or that at Washington state, when he left Texas tech, he had Connor Halliday as quarterback. And in one play, Connor Halliday only got the set. Like he only got the formation. And so he called timeout because he's frantic going, I don't have a play. And Mike is upset on the sideline, yelling, screaming, stomping his feet. And he says, but coach, you didn't give me a play. He said, Connor, you're the quarterback. Call the damn play. (laughs) I love that too. Because he wanted the players to make decisions. He wanted them to have some measure of control in what they were doing. And every meeting with Mike Leach was always going to not be about football. He was interested in you he was interested in what you thought and if you asked him a question he was going to give you his best answer which means that perhaps a half hour quarterback meeting might go on for three hours because mike had some things to say and was terrifically interested in almost everything his autobiography is in part about pirates and black sales he wrote a book about geronimo because he's that type of dude too But I also have a personal story in which Mike endeared himself to me even more. And it's always difficult to talk about these men because they're such outsized personalities and they feel like relatives to you and I that we never meet. They're uncles, they're cousins. It's like that. And their passing affects us. When I was coming up trying to get to this job that I have right now, I was in an efficiency apartment, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was making YouTube videos about OU college football, so forth, so on. And in 2019, Lincoln Riley hired Alex Grinch away from Washington State, where he was defensive coordinator for Mike Leach. And I chose to shoot my shot. Right, I sent SID there an email asking if I could interview Mike about Alex to try to figure out a little bit more about what the new defensive coordinator coordinator was going to be like, what the offense, or excuse me, the defense is going to be like. And what, if anything, uh, Oklahoma might be able to glean from Mike Leach about the defense coordinator? And SID was very kind to me, also said, hey, look, it's January. Coach Leach uh, is on vacation. He vacations down in Key West. I'll ask him, and we'll see. Well, Mike sent back his cell phone number. And so you can search this channel, and you can find it. I got a call with Mike in Key West where we're talking about Alex Grinch and At the time, it felt like a really big win because Mike Leach is talking to me on the phone for a show that I do on YouTube, but also just kind of fizzled in as far as what you might know or not know about Alex Grinch. But in the background, you can hear chickens, hens, and coach was enamored with those chickens and those hens uh, that would roost in a tree about 12 feet off the ground and posited in the call about whether or not they could play basketball. Or how good they may or may not be. And I couldn't hold it together. I just needed to tell him. That he's awesome. That I love him so much. And he is. He's awesome. And I love him so much. Because he brought. Color. To a sport that abhors it. He brought a bohemian philosophy. To a sport that is wildly conservative. And along the way. He was a damn good football coach, folks. The air raid was the future when I was a kid. And now everybody uses those passing concepts because he made them famous. But also, you look at his coaching tree, and it's ridiculous. I mean, yes, Lincoln Riley is there. You'll know about that, right? Cliff Kingsbury is there. Sonny Dykes is there. Dana Holgerson is there. You can keep going down the list. Bill Biedenboe, offensive line coach, played at Iowa Westland. Two coaches that owe their careers in one way or another to Mike Leach, Dennis Simmons, wide receiver, coach at USC. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Leach had posited on the same call with me where we're talking about Grinch that, Hey, I can get almost anybody hired down there at OU. Just give me a call. <laughs> but it was like that. You go work for him and you go work somewhere else and you do great things. And he never held a grudge and he always respected the business. After he led Washington state to, its first Rose Bowl bid since 2002 and 2018, they won 11 games, went to Mississippi State. And once again, he endeared himself to me and others like me, when he went to the state capitol in Mississippi to lobby for removal of the Confederate battle emblem from the Mississippi State flag, because he knew, one, it didn't unify anybody, and two, most of his players and people like me find that offensive and aggressive And I always say, I need those folks who are in rooms that I'm not in to stick up for me, and I will do the same. Mike Leach did that while handing out Chick-fil-A biscuits in June 2020. The last thing I want to leave you with is something I think you can help me with. Mike Leach is ineligible for the College Football Hall of Fame under the rules today. The rules state that a head coach needs to win at least 60% of his games and coach 10 seasons to be eligible for a Hall of Fame induction. Uh, The Hall of Fame individual selector uh, process is governed by the National Football Foundation. And Mike Leach won 59.6% of games he coached as a head coach. Right now, he's not getting in. I take umbrage with that, and I think you do too, because the Hall of Fame is for us to remember. It is for us to experience. It's not for the dead. Neither are funerals. Neither is mourning. Those are for us. These are our rituals. And in a year that has taken so much from us, where it's been really difficult to find good, this is one in which we can find good. We can do this together. I believe the National Football Foundation wants to fix this, and this is a great opportunity to do it. You'll remember we did this once before with Chuck Ely at Toledo. He had not been voted a first-team All-American, though he was undefeated as a college football quarterback at Toledo. And his time of being eligible had come and passed, but the National Football Foundation did right by him, and he will go in to the College Football Hall of Fame in this next cycle. Let's do it again. Let's fix this. Not for Mike, who could care less about his obituary, but for the four grown children he leaves behind, his wife Sharon, an entire football community because we love him so much and he gave us so much. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Thanks for being a part of this community. And thanks for mourning with me. I hope I could... Share in that morning with you. All right. That's it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director, my goodness, is Chaz Boulay. Social media maven is JV Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. Uh, We'll talk to y'all on Wednesday. Deuces.